Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, this is Nolan North, and you're listening to the Ninja Turtle Power Hour. Why wouldn't you? Take it from me. Raphael from TMNT, go back to 2007. We'll save our brother, and then we'll save New York City. Or, of course, you may listen to the Krang, because the Krang know that you should listen to Turtles, Turtles, and Turtle Power Hour. Go listen, Krang. Welcome to the Ninja Turtle Power Hour. I'm Spencer Toon. I'm Keith McGuffey. I'm Cody Tuckett. And I'm Mike Templeton. And if I sound funny today, it's because I'm recording with my phone. Technical difficulties. That's <laughs> fine. You sound like you're at the bottom of a well or something. It's it's fine. Yeah. Well, boy. Oh, no. Yeah. I don't know. Hello, 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 hello. It's really not that bad. No, you sound fine. That's good. Lassie, what's That's that? Good. Young Spencer's down in the well? Nobody knows it, that reference, Mike. I'd see. I'm the oldest one on the podcast. That reference is like 60 years ago. Well, people know Lassie still. Not that are still alive. People still know like the what's that girl? Old Timmy fell yeah. down the well. When did Lassie come out? I don't know. I always thought Lassie was just like a part of history. Like it never came out. 1954. I promise you, I want you to post. There is more modern lassies than that one specifically. Nope. Nope. It's what is that? What's math? 70 years old. Nobody, nobody kids know that. No, there are more modern lassies than that one. No, no, nobody, none, nobody here watched lassie. It's actually, that's a even more modern lassie because the original is 1938. Yeah, I was gonna say Ooh, there's yeah, a 2005 yeah. lassie. There's a 2020. There's a 2020 lassie movie. Look, nobody watched a lassie from the aughts, the naughty oddies onward. Nobody. There's literally that's like, that's like two of them. That's straight. There's a 2005 lassie, lassie movie that didn't go to theaters. If you should, if you show me that it went to theaters, I'll I'll give you some credence, but otherwise, I'm gonna show you right now. There are no. such better dog movies that came out in the 90s and the 2000s. Like, who cares about Lassie anymore? Yeah. I mean, L- Lass- Lassie's a classic, yeah, though. Homeward Bound. Beethoven. Yeah, Balto. Uh, you've got White Fang and Iron Will. White Fang was uh, really good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so many dog sled shows. Like, you'd think that dog sledding was our national sport or something in the 2000s. I, I remember, or at least the 90s. I don't know. I just remember there being so many dog sledding so movies. I, so my middle school um, was, uh, our mascot was the Huskies. And like our principal, did you guys watch Boy Meets World? Oh yeah. Okay, so yeah. Uh, my principal 
was literally Mr. Feeney. Like she was my, uh, she was my principal from kindergarten all the way up to eighth grade. And then she retired, uh, my year, uh, cause she, she was the principal at the elementary school and then transferred to our middle school. Anyway, our mascot was the Huskies. And so she like full on embraced it and like literally brought a dog sled like to the middle school. And like, you know, she got us all interested in the Iditarod, which is like the cross country dog sledding race in Alaska. Like we knew about dog sledding in middle school. This is a funny story. In our like reading books that we had, one of the stories we read was a, was a short story about a dog called searchlight. Mm. And spoiler alert, like all dog stories, the dog dies at the end, but yeah, it takes place on the Iditarod. Like a kid runs the Iditarod with his little adorable dog searchlight. And then she dies at the end, of course, you know, before he crosses the finish line. And it's a whole thing. Does he like sled down her dead body to the finish? Uh, No. So there's like a native American man that he's been neck and neck with the whole time. And then, like, the Native American guy pulls out a gun and is just like, if anyone crosses the finish line before this kid, I'll shoot. And then the kid, like, walks across the finish line with his dead dog. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. That's messed up. Um, on that you note, know what I miss, listen. guys, is is son of movies, like son of Godzilla and son of Kong. Apparently, there's a son of Lassie. We need to bring son that back. We I mean, like, son of Ninja Turtles. Was this after the 2005 I mean, Lassie, like which worldwide made $6.4 million, so nobody saw it? No, this is from 1945. Uh, so what Cody's trying to do here is change the criteria that he had given me. And so now he's trying to say that because it only made $6.4 million worldwide, it doesn't count as a theatrical release, even though it released in four different countries and theaters. That means like- that means like one person went to the theater and they paid them to leave. They, were they like, paid them $6 million? Just there was kidding. a there was a video game based on the film. What? Why? Who is what? this? Mike? There's a video I'm video just saying, the if you're going to change the criteria, at least change it on the air so everyone knows how much of a fraud you are. No, I want people just to keep know. moving. I, you know what? Just keep moving that goalpost. I know it's in your blood. You I, told us. I, you told us your dad was a goalpost mover. Out of that joke, by the way, that, that was, was a very good joke. <laughs> I, I think, but. Lassie, there, there was a, the 2005 Lassie was created just for Mike and only Mike. Just to prove this point. <laughs> <laughs> there was a Lassie video game? Yeah! They had money to burn, apparently. Like some Lassie, guy for, Lassie for the PlayStation like, 2. You know what? <laughs> who is, what it, was I was it, is, is it, it was developed by EM Studios and published by Mastertronic. What's even crazier is that this film is from 2005 and the video game is from 2007. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the, the it, you was... can't just you can't just crap out a Lassie game, okay? Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we put some finesse on this it. This movie's got Peter Dinklage in it. Come on now. Clear I mean clearly it was like he I doubt he wants to ever talk about this. He probably yeah, If I ever like, meet Peter Dinklage at a convention, I'm going to be like, "Hey, what did, you think, you, what did you think of the last scene? What did you think of the last scene movie? He's going to be like, thank oh, you for bringing that up. I love working I, with that dog. No, I You'll loved be, you in Lassie 2005. I loved Lassie 2005. He will suplex you so fast that you won't even know what's <laughs> going on before your hip is broken. Oh, all right. Well, speaking of breaking, it hips says the, and, uh, the only production note on this is uh, this is the 11th movie about Lassie. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's 10 too many. All right. 
<laughs> so, speaking of... Uh, what are we talking about today, Spencer? Speaking of, uh, I, I don't know how to segue that. We're talking about Ninja Turtles today, guys. We still talk oh, about Ninja Turtles. Is that what the show's about? Yeah. Uh, so we're talking about issues 10, 11, and 12 of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Volume 4. So that's issue 10, issue 11, and issue 12. Untitled, yeah. untitled. Untitled and untitled. <laughs> it's been a minute since I made that joke. All right. I think I'm up first tonight, right? Yeah. Take us into it. All right, let me tell you a story. The Ancient One did tell me a story I think you guys would want to hear. About Master Splinter's master, Hamato Yoshi. Well, let's hear it! So, this is TMNT Volume 4, Number 10. First printed June 2003. Cover by Jim Lawson and Michael Dooney. Writer Peter Laird. Penciler Jim Lawson. Inking and toning by Laird and Eric Talbot. And the letterer is Peter Laird. So, in Northampton, Splinter awakes and goes about his morning routine. He makes a bowl of food for a farm cat, then goes to refill the bird feeder. He comes back in to make his tea. It appears the Rat King is watching him from the doorway, as Splinter has a heart attack and calls out for his sons. Meanwhile in New York, April is at, April is at the Kreutzberg Memorial Hospital, getting injected with the nano-turtle bots, while the turtles are on the Utram Island base controlling them via Mentowave helmet technology. Turns out they're a bunch of vampires viewing the picnickers as drinkies, and they swarm the two women. One of them manages to escape and reach some police mounted on horseback, who go back to find the remaining friend. They're dead. We cut to a turtle sitting on a log, floating on a lake. A big turtle, Mikey, is swimming in the water and tickling the little turtle. Raph is on the shore, chopping some wood. Wood for Splinter's funeral beer. They have a funeral and then take his beer to the lake. Radical comes to make Splinter's funeral radical. Leo readies his bow so he can shoot a flaming arrow to burn his master down. But then Renette appears in the air. She wants to pay her respects too. Then Leo lights Splinter on fire with his flaming arrow. Leatherhead is even there in the water, a real who's who of characters. There's at least 22 guests at the funeral. Not bad. Leo sheds a single manly tear. We cut to some ninjas hunting someone down. Some goofball in armor. Splinter is never seen again. The end. Next up is issue 11. Uh, original release date, August 2003, cover by Jim and Mike Dooney, written by Peter Laird, pencils by Jim, inks by Peter and Eric Talbot. Our issue opens with April going through boxes in the farmhouse attic when she finds an old sketchbook belonging to her father. She thumbs through the pages of drawings she hasn't seen in ages, finding sketches of her as a baby and breaks down at the idea of not knowing where she came from. Back at the sewer lair, Donatello announces that he's joining the Utroms on their investigation into the deadly dinosaurs of South America. Mikey is also leaving, having accepted a position as Moon Island's translocation reorientation facilitator, greeting aliens as they arrive on Earth and getting them acclimated to their new home. As those two turtles leave, a moment of silence between Leo and Raph is broken when Leo explains he's leaving too to go help Karai with the foot's ongoing security issues leaving Raph alone in the lair to just hang out with his memories of Splinter. AC comes upstairs to bring April some tea when she finds an old Super 8 film reel from before she was born, showing her dad drawing pictures of April in the sketchbook that she was looking at earlier. She asks Casey to get a film projector that he borrowed so that she can further investigate. Utroms and Donatello are reviewing the details of the mission to South America and its many failures, including the deaths of the most recent security rescue team. As their craft lands in the jungle, 
a mysterious techno-organic creature stands at the edge of a cliff. Back in New York, Raphael is drinking at a local tavern with some cute girls, playing up the whole alien angle of his appearance when some members of the Dark Lords of the Night give him the stink eye from across the bar. They follow a drunken Raph into the alley where they gang up on him, knocking him to the ground as they begin to feast. To be continued. Good stuff. Yeah. Thank you, Keith I wrote that myself. Got... <laughs> Keith definitely got shafted uh, on the issue summaries there. I did not realize it was one. like a triple size issue. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Let's uh, second time around that real quick. Hey, uh, nice junk. So like yeah. these three issues like progressively got shorter because <laughs> that first one's like 50 pages long. I think it's, no, it I like, think it's longer than that. Like Is it? Yeah. It was so, so long. After that, they were like, yeah, we're, we're not doing that. <laughs> yeah. My issue is only 28 pages. Not including the ads at the end. Yeah. I was, yeah, I remember just like reading it and I'm like, all right, it's still not over. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, so yeah, this not, just kind of keeps going. Yeah. It wasn't like, it, it, it wasn't like, necessarily too long. It was just like surprising. It was so long. Yeah. Yeah. It's like when you sit down in like a movie and you never checked the runtime on it. Yeah. And you <laughs> realize like you're in like a two and a half hour movie. Kind of Something like, oh, like my wife and I do now. It's like, because we're like, we want to watch Dune, but it's like Dune's like three hours, and I'm like, uh, never mind. Yeah, Dude, I always so check good. the runtime. I can't runtime and like number of episodes in a season before I start. Mm. Like those, are, I gotta know it, you know. Yeah. So, <laughs> so issue ten, I think, I think they might have mentioned it, but they use a Minta Wave link up, which was what made the Fugitoid the Fugitoid. It was like his, yeah, I think like, they, to, they specifically say like it's technology that he brought. Yeah, to them. So that's cool. Yeah, so it's cool. Yeah, it's super cool to see like a callback to that as well as the fact that he's able to provide that. I like that. Yeah. Uh Glurin makes uh a fun quote. Uh or uh, Glurin quotes his favorite uh movie from Earth Cinema. Uh his favorite alien. Favorite his alien. favorite yeah, he quotes his favorite fictional extraterrestrial from Earth Cinema. Uh that being Yoda. Uh, from Empire Strikes Back. Yep. Hmm. Using the quote, size matters not. Uh, There's a it's dude also... who watches a movie on QuickTime on his computer, which is yeah. a blast <laughs> yeah. from the past. <laughs> there is a lot of, it's not even really like uh, like brand placement. It's it's just like everything is branded. Well, it's yeah. also like yeah, we get the the whole like I don't know if, if Pete was, if this was like product placement for Max or if he just really loved them or what's going on. I think he, never I think he really just liked Max. them. I think yeah. he really just liked them. Cause he also like, he also like says the thing that people used to think was true about Max and how like they didn't, they didn't get viruses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which like, is patently not true. Virus. It's just like the user base was so low. Like if you're making viruses, yeah. you're not going to talk yeah. about it. No one cared. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's like, he, he very much is like on an iBook computer. Like there's Sony screens there. Like you said, quick time, like quick yeah. freaking quick time. Like he quick drew the Q logo. <laughs> Yeah. it's like he just got all this stuff for christmas and he just wants to tell everybody about it <laughs> so yeah and it's just it's so funny for. 
And it's so funny, like the way like Peter and I'm assuming Jim because Jim drew it, but like Peter probably requested all of this stuff. Um, And then when you couple that with like the four page essay he wrote in the letters that we'll talk about in a second, uh, uh-huh. it, it's like he's just he's a cute old man that just loves technology. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And in another, uh, in a bit in the letters, in the letters column here, Peter talks about how he spoke with Stan Sakai about having Usagi appear in yeah. season two of the 2003 show and that Stan oh, had sweet. agreed. Yeah, he mentions that to uh, someone asking about that kind of thing in, uh, in the mail. Another uh, thing I thought was kind of interesting, I, don't, I can't remember if it's in 10 or 11, but Peter kind of, a uh, Peter and Jim, like, addressed the criticisms that people i guess were writing in about saying they didn't like jim lawson's artwork yeah which seems like unnecessarily mean for people to do like we've talked about like certain things we don't like about jim lawson's art but that just like oh you're writing directly to the guy telling him you don't like it i mean but personally i don't know like i do like it i don't even really have much criticism for it like at this point to be honest like it's it's good serviceable art that tells the story and it tells it well. Like, you know what the characters are doing. He does backgrounds. He has moments where he draws like great detail. Uh, it thing. I don't know. I just, I don't I mean, get he, he, I mean, you know, gr- if, granted he does some wonky humans and even he admits it, but yeah. it's like, I just, I would never write to him and tell him that. It, and then just for the fact for like Peter to publish some of those letters, that was just weird to me. Yeah, though I get it, like, and to all of us to some degree, like, when you make, like, content online, you get comments of people, like, going right in your face, like, you did a dumb right. thing here. And it's, and sometimes it's, it's like, I share that stuff with my friends sometimes, just because it's, it's funny, because you're just like, yeah. good lord, <laughs> like, <laughs> this guy really <laughs> went for it. So people never changed, nothing ever changes, <laughs> folks. <laughs> You don't have to buy stamps so much anymore. Yeah, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna hang up from my phone because my internet's back up again. That's all right. I mean, if we're still, oh, you sound much better. Here we go. Uh, yeah, I take it all back. Before you sounded terrible. No, though you should sound yeah. like. <laughs> now that I know what the difference is, oh man. Uh, <laughs> there's a fun note in here. This is it says Daniel Carls, uh, Carlson's two panel monologue about his Apple computer being less likely to be susceptible to vandalware, an acceptable but non-standard synonym for malware, is part of a long-running theme of Peter Laird using the pages of this comic to personally shill Apple products <laughs> due to his preference of them over Windows and Linux machines. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he he does have a tendency to do that. He's got things that he likes, and when he's got things that he likes, is it? He's just—he's a cute old man that loves technology. Like this four-page essay that he writes in issue eleven is just freaking wild. Yeah, I meant to go back and read it, but isn't like wasn't he like an early adopter of the Segway? Isn't that? Yeah, like it's it's a very thorough essay, (laughs) and includes pictures (laughs) of him on a Segway. (laughs) I, I use the term endearingly, very very endearingly. Uh, the term nerd, like yeah. he, he is what a rich nerd would be doing in the two thousands. Absolutely. Like, like I mean, yeah, exactly. Like it's a rich nerd. Kevin Eastman bought a tank in the nineties. Peter Lair 
you know, invested in segways in the 2000s. He's always been he like, also, kind, he, kind of on the cutting edge of technology hotel. too. Yeah. Yeah. He bought Peter Laird bought like, cause um, on the latest kayfabe episode, they were, was it David Cho? I think mm-hmm. they were talking about like, he was asking them like, like, cause he knew like what Kevin had done. He was asking like uh-huh. Peter, what he had done with his money. Um, and Peter Laird was apparently pretty, pretty reasonable. But at one point he thought it was, cool to buy like this it was like um i think it was like some kind of like lodge or something that he bought mm-hmm. like a, a nice hotel that he, oh, he yeah. only had for like a few years before he sold it yeah That's he cool. bought like a nice building that he thought he was gonna like restore like an yeah, old building like, this was, thought he was okay. restore. <laughs> peter's always been kind of a futurist though or like on a bleeding edge of technology like he's used uh like old drafting software to make comic books and uh Pretty sure he was one of the first users of like Photoshop to color stuff and whatnot. So yeah, it doesn't surprise yeah, me at all like, that he would be on a Segway. In yeah, these like, issues, he like proudly talks about using like some like computer modeling or something. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me at all if, if he was still like actively making comics today, if he would use AI art, even just for like the backgrounds or something, just to like like Ooh, he's always yeah. kind of been on the on the bleeding edge of that, you know. That's in, that's an interesting discussion, yeah. Huh. Would Peter Laird embrace using AI? Not to like huh. do his entire art, but like to enhance I, I could go, it. I could see I could him go like, both you know, ways on that. I, I, I could feel yeah. him like embracing it, but also like in the one area being like, absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause he didn't, he do like, he didn't do the comic bill of rights, but he was like very much into like, um, what was the, what was the, the comic defense fund? Didn't he do that? He, I know he had a, a thing called like Zeric or Zeric. It was some sort of like, yeah, that. Uh, That's what I'm talking was, about. Yeah, it was some sort of foundation that he had people like submit things like that for comic book art, and then would like help help them publish uh, yeah. their comic. Yeah, that's if, what you know, they, David Cho came from. He was like, he yeah. won that or something. Yeah. So yeah, Peter Laird, what a kooky guy. I think it was involved in the create the. Bill of Rights for Comics Creators. He yeah, was, the yeah. Comic Creator Bill of Rights. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was. He was involved in that too. All right. Issue 11. So there's a bunch of people at the funeral that we haven't seen before. There's a cat guy. I don't know who that is, but I know that golem dude with like pie on his face. Mm-hmm. He's at least in a Tales issue. I, so I don't know his name, but for our listeners. That's pie like the mathematics symbol, not not like an apple pie on his face. Thank I you. thought of apple pie. I Thank thought of you, apple Spencer. pie. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, someone's got pie on his face. Yeah. Just oh thinking of like this golem showing up to a funeral and he's just got like pie caked on his face. But like you know, no he... one will talk about it. They're like, does he know? Should we <laughs> say something? Does he know? <laughs> yeah. That's a superpower. Is it a whole pie? Did he just... pies. Yeah, do you just eat like a, a a blackberry pie and you just have some on his lips and everybody's yeah. like, what? Yeah, he he kind of like dug into like the the dinner table, you know, that's safe yeah. for after the funeral too early. It's kind of awkward. <laughs> I'm actually surprised you noticed the pie because I was I was just caught on with like the squigglies. The pie's almost cut off. Yeah, I, it just I read that issue, so I knew who it was. That's why it stuck out to me. Um, uh, apparently. Uh, two other guests are Kevin and Peter. 
Really? Mm-hmm. I, don't, I, did not I don't think I picked that. up on that. I didn't pick up on it either. Like I said, this is coming from Turtlepedia. Uh, I'm thinking it's the guy in the bandana and the guy in the glasses on page yeah, 22. I so it's like Casey, it's like Casey and April, those two, then it's Utrams, and then it's the Catman and the Pie Robot. Oh yeah, he's got a mustache. A yeah, he's got a little mustache. Yeah. So apparently that's Kevin and Peter. I can see that. All right. This is also the first appearance in this issue of uh I don't know, these guys that are like becoming gonna like become a villain, at least for, for Leo's story. Uh, that are that is attacking the foot. They're like, they're kind of like Aztec looking dudes. They're not the guardians. No, they're they're not. They they are involved in something else that I won't spoil for you. You'll, oh, okay, you'll good. Get that's learn. not spoiled for me yet. But, but uh, it, that that is where my head went immediately. I was like, oh, that's that's just like a proto guardian. Yeah, you'll you'll see uh you'll see more of that later. Okay, so that's 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 Leo's story arc. One note I had, and I, I don't know if this is intentional or not, I could be reading way too into this, but during the eulogy, Leo mentions uh, that Splinter would think this is another, like, turning of the Great Wheel. And way, way back, way, way back, the issue Twilight of the Ring, it's like issue 37 of volume one. It's the one where they go into the forest and they fight the, like, giant mammal creature. Um, yeah. After Leo kills that thing... He says, uh, we freedom, the wheel is moving again, the ring is whole. So I, I wonder if that's a reference to that issue or if it's just Ooh. I'm, I'm piecing things together that don't go together. Which I think well, is that's... a guest era issue. It's a guest era issue. Yeah, it's a Rick McCollum and Bill Anderson issue. So sometimes sometimes I think that, cause, so I read in another letter in the backs of one of these that Peter Laird was going to come out with a list of like what was officially canon. And I think that he just never had the time to actually finally do it. And so he just said, Mirage stuff, canon, not Mirage stuff, not canon. And just, mm. you know, just to make his life easy when it came to republishing mm-hmm. uh, and, and everything. And but I think that maybe some of those issues he might have been considering uh, before. Yeah, because he talks he talks about wanting to do like an official timeline. Like yeah. a lot, like it's been, we mentioned it in a past episode that he was talking about putting it on the website and in the comic and yeah. like, he just, as of now, he's never done it. So, um, it's never going to happen. I don't think, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think he's ever going to get around to it anymore. Um, well, and he'll, he'll also very frequently say like, if people ask him questions about what's canon and what's not now, he'll frequently say like, it doesn't really matter what I think though. Ask Viacom. They own. It. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, so apparently true. it is a, the, the pie robot does give a real equation like math equation to Renette. Oh, oh, am I the only uh, one who was able to solve it? Yes. Cody, why don't you tell us what, what, what it what actually was the is? Was it 42? What's the answer? Rhubarb. Rhubarb. Damn. It was a, it's a very clever pie joke. They worked in. <gasps> I was so close. <laughs> Uh, damn, it. damn it, Cody. <laughs> yeah, it's implying that this pie robot and Renette have some kind of history. Oh, they dated in college or <laughs> future because it's Renette. So who knows? It, is is that like is that whole math equation? If you solve it, is it gonna just like spell boobs? So. <laughs> I, hold, think that, I, think a, I think a math boob joke is below Peter. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. 
Uh, but I am I am curious. I don't know how to solve it. Uh, so I'm not even I'm not even going to attempt to. Are we sure it's a real because there's there's at least two infinities in it. I thought it was gibberish. I didn't even look at it. I thought it was gibberish, too. Uh, but apparently it is like an actual like equations like a is greater than pi plus uh, CE minus B pi times a uh, plus E plus infinity. Like it goes on uh, divided by infinity is approximately B is greater than or equal to C times infinity plus B or, or maybe these are three separate equations. Maybe. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, all I need to know is that four quarters equals a dollar. So yeah. Yeah. The only I, math just, I need. I just need to know a little a, bit of trick. quarter. <laughs> So eight bits equals a dollar. There you go. Uh, well, all right. So since we're on issue eleven, yeah, Peter's uh, four four page segue because already this letter section is super long already, and then Peter adds another four pages talking about like the history of Segway and then when he got into it, and then just like <laughs> just all the way through. Uh, just. It's adorable. Also, this letter uh, section contains another letter from a friend of mine, Vaughn. Uh, he got to ask Peter. Um, uh, what did he say? Do you think he said- he'd ask if like racking the, the Utrams and Leatherhead are popping up anytime mm-hmm. soon? Peter was like, maybe. <laughs> Do you think the kids these days know what a Segway is? Like have hoverboards kind of like just made those obsolete do you think there's plenty of kids that have never oh, yeah I, th- I think well, people still know segway is doesn't catch on fire at nearly the rate. yeah segway is kind of yeah to answer your question i'm going to say no because i think segway is largely well no i think say i think kids still know what segways are uh okay, also laddie. because they're 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 gonna be a feature in the new final fantasy 7 uh game really like you literally ride around on a segway all right well all right segways aren't dead i didn't know that oh. uh I knew there was like Segway tours years ago when I mm-hmm. went somewhere where there was a Segway tour. Uh, you can uh, still do I've Segway tours. One. I've never taken one. Uh, on uh, the island of Catalina over here in California. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's no cars allowed on that island because it's kind of like a nature preserve on on most of the island. Uh, the only cars that are there are like, it's like a years long waiting list to get a car over there. And it's like very high fees. Uh, so they only allow golf carts and like segways on Catalina. Huh. Which if you ever come out to California, uh, Ca- California, it's a fantastic uh, little vacation spot to go to. Stay up for like a day or two. Is right. that the Catalina wine mixer? Uh, they're probably, it is one that's probably a specific event on Catalina. Is that where the dressing comes from? Uh yes. Cool. <laughs> no, but it's it's one of the it's one of the largest like, It's one of the largest um I think it's I think they're bison or buffalo. It's like the largest preserve for them in America is on that yeah. island. That's kind of sad that they they used to have all of America now they're shackled to an island in California. I know, right? that's i mean there's still are american <laughs> there are still some like inland but it's uh it's one of the yeah the Catalina Catal- island bison herd it's got its own article on wikipedia we know you once had the great plains 
in yeah. the Midwest. All of America. Yeah. But here's here's an <laughs> island in California. Have I mean, fun. to be fair, <laughs> to be fair, like I said, Kellyna is a pretty sick island to hang out on. So they they got a nice spot out of it. Hmm. Ever seen someone biff never leave on a Segway? Prison. Yeah. <laughs> never seen anyone biff on a spit on a Segway. Yeah, I I've used never to work seen university. anyone riding a Segway. <clears throat> oh, our, you know the cops, hilarious. the cops at the university I worked at would ride around on Segways, and one like. The door was open, but he took it at the wrong angle and just totally like caught his wheel on the door frame and biffed it. It was amazing. Does <laughs> does Peter Laird at some point get a segue into the 2003 show? Uh, I don't think he does. I don't think I ever saw. Okay, <laughs> it wasn't even in, even enough. in fast forward. Uh, that didn't become the vehicle of the future. I I think there was like flying cars and stuff at that point. So like, mm. you know yeah. the segue. He just knew that that wasn't gonna that wasn't gonna fly, literally. Like it, literally, like yeah. everything flies. <laughs> oh, so I damn I, Spencer, I, you're on point tonight, man. <laughs> I didn't notice this in the actual issue, um, but this reader Jeff Il O did, and he wrote into the letter section uh, that the turtle nanobots uh, from the last issue, the four that remain, do the actual poses of the turtles from the first book. Oh, nice. I don't think I paid close enough attention. to. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't notice it in the issue, but then when I was reading the letters, uh, he pointed this out and Peter said, uh, he goes, uh, Jeff, I says, I love the pose. You had all the four survival turtle bots in the bottom of page 54. Nice nod to, uh, Oh, it's volume, volume four, number one. Um, not, not volume one. Number one. He's like, at first I thought they were meant to mirror. Uh, Oh no, no, hang on. So he goes, at first I thought they were meant to mirror the poses from the original first issue you did with Kevin. And then Peter replies, actually, all the poses are the same. Okay, yeah. So, volume four, number one, and number, or volume one, number one are the same pose. Yeah. Can we so just yeah, know that thought, Jeff I.L. is a hell of a name? <laughs> yeah. I know, Jeff I.L. O. It's that two-page jumping spread. Yeah, that's cool. All right, we're going to go on to 12 then? I think so. Okay. Uh, so Raphael mentions that he's fought vampires before. Yeah. Uh, obviously meaning Bad Moon Rising. Mm-hmm. Which hasn't come out yet. <laughs> right. Yeah. Raph honestly, also drinking beer. I always love when the turtles drink beer. So I like that the, the turtles it. are drinking beer now that they're old enough to do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bad example to set for teenagers. I, I do think it is, uh, it is, I want to know how much they had planned out at this point, because yeah, like Raphael is talking about fighting vampires, uh, but Bad Moon Rising will not come out for a while. Like it's going to be a minute before we get just even that, that first issue that, that is about vampires, uh, that, that tells the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles issue. So yeah, I do wonder if like they're writing it and they just wanted like, let's just do whatever. And we know we have tales so people can just come fill it in. I wonder if they kept track of like a list, like here's, here's the random things we throw now. And like, if someone's writing TMNT, they're like, here's this list, cover any of this. And they just cross off bullet points. (laughs) Well, yeah, it's like, it's like the Cha Cha Ocho stuff isn't going to come until later. And then this like is now referencing a book that hasn't come out yet. Um, like it's a cool way to do things. I like it. it's a fun way 
to write a story and leave yourself wiggle room to throw stuff. I think the the golem hasn't come out yet. Um, Yeah, they mentioned that like like, Leatherhead was or Splinter was nice to Leatherhead or something like that. That's that's why. Yeah, because Leatherhead showed up. I don't think Leatherhead has ever even been in the same room as Splinter so far. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so like it's kind of interesting because it. because there's such a big gap between volume two and volume four, like 15 years, um, it is kind of like seeding stuff that like, Oh yeah, this is kind of what happened in that 15 years. Yeah. It's sort of brilliant to just be like, yeah, I fought vampires. Someone else can take care of telling that story. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. I, I think that, I don't know. It's like it's almost like they're like just George Lucasing it, right? You know, they'll be like, "Oh yeah, mm. I fought with your, you fought with my father in the Clone Wars," and then you know, little do we know, down the line, there's going to be an entire TV series yeah. <laughs> dedicated to that one line. Yeah, about, uh, about the Clone Wars. Well, to be fair, they it did come back in the movie. I mean, yeah, like, like they did use it in Attack of the Clones, and then, but still, like it's. It's just interesting. That, yeah. Yeah. The, the, uh, yeah. the key so thing there is execution. Thing. Like, but yeah. yeah, I think I love stuff like that in stories when you're telling like a broader story. Um, mm. Like when you tell a story and people are like, oh, that you didn't explain that character. And it's like, I don't know. Sometimes you hear a story for someone and there's parts that you just don't understand because that's how life goes. So I love stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's kind of like, it feels better now because we know that these issues are out and we knew like, we you know the, the four of us, we knew specifically what Raph was referring to, but like back then having to wait four years pre-internet, not knowing the story was ever going to be told. I would just be like, when did Raph ever fight vampires? And it would just drive me nuts. Yeah. I know. I think it's kind of cool because it gives you something to like look forward to, and then you're like, "Hey, Pete, when are you gonna write about this?" Yeah, and it's that? yeah, it's it's one of those things. It's like Peter doesn't have to put, you know, this isn't a story that's told yet. Like it, you can leave it to the reader's imagination. Like, oh, when did Raph fight vampires? That's that's cool. When did they fight them in Men of Shadow? Like way yeah. back in Volume One, and then there was also the was it like. With Savanti Juliet, weren't there vampires in that one too? There might have been vampires in the Savanti Juliet. That sounds familiar, but definitely. Yeah, that does, that does sound familiar. The AC Farley one that has yeah. AC Farley's art. Uh, men, yeah, Men of Shadow. I was about to mention that. It's like, there's fighting vampires in there. So, once again, mm. it's one of those instances where it's like, was Peter Laird considering parts of the Guest Era canon at first, or was he not? Did he just have plans for them mm. to fight vampires? Did he make that not canon? So then he was like, all right, let's write a story and tales about how Raphael fought vampires. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious. Uh, so Casey is wearing, uh, in issue uh, 12, Casey is wearing a t-shirt uh, that says V-Twin Power. Uh, that is a real thing. Uh, V-Twin Power Sports. Hmm. They offer top-notch motorcycle services. Well, we also know that Peter Laird loved motorcycles, him and Jim Lawson. So, so I plan on uh, exists. Yeah, so probably yeah, he's been wearing Moto Guzzi's shirts in the past too. Yeah, 
Uh, another interesting thing bringing up Casey Jones is there was another fan letter asking uh, if, like, if we were ever going to see Casey Jones with his golf bag and mask on, to which Peter Laird says that no, Casey is grown up and mature now. He's not going to, he's not going to, like, be doing that anymore because he's like yeah. a grown up mature man yeah. now. It does, it does seem like this kind of Casey wouldn't do it anymore. Like he's kind of, he's kind of gone from jock to himbo. Like he's, he's nice now. Like he's just kind of a goofy guy who wants to protect people, like protect his family more so than avenging the streets. Yeah. Um, but I was going to say, so V twin power sports is in Illinois, not, uh, Northampton. So, Oh, good to know. Yeah. In case, in case you were wondering, I, I was, I was. I, 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 it was a very specific logo, so that's why I was like, I have to look this up. Like this had like with with the Sony like other branding that they've been putting in here. I was like, this has to be a reference to something too, and it's yeah. like it's almost exactly their logo. All right, I'm good. Let's move in anchovies. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Nobody likes anchovies. I really don't have a lot for any of these issues. I, I yeah, um, I don't have any either. To me, I, I think for issue ten, something that kind of felt weird for me is like, why are the turtles so far away from April? Like, why can't they do that whole procedure in in one room? I guess it's to make this like explosion thing, you, you know, sever the tie between the mental link and whatever. But like, yeah. I don't, it just felt weird because it seemed like before they were in the same spot and then suddenly they're in two different locations. I don't know. Well, about the nanobots, that's one of my anchovies. It's like, and I don't know, maybe I wasn't paying attention, but I feel like they didn't create the nanobots 100% from scratch. But how are the nanobots so incompetent without the turtle part of the equation? You know, like how I, that I didn't like, like or buy where it's like, because you have these nanobots. They don't they're know learning what to ninjutsu. Do. <laughs> they're learning ninjutsu from the turtles. Like, like that's how they're fighting is like through the the ninjutsu knowledge of the turtles being transmitted to the robots. True. I like that they took like the time to be like, we're gonna make them tiny ones. little nano nunchucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that part was cool. Yeah. Like you're crazy space alien and you can't make killer robots. Come on. It is it is it's also kind of goofy that like the turtles have to be hooked up to the mental wave thing. And then conveniently when the power is severed, oh, I was making a digital backup. So we didn't actually have to do this in the first place. And it's actually better. So. And it's actually better. <laughs> I just think that Glurin is ultra competent. You know, he's, he's a prodigy amongst. He's, they amongst should always just the, listen the to Glurin. Nonviolent. So it's possible. They don't even know how to program violence into a robot. Yeah. That's, that's the thing is like that's guys, just negligence. If if, Bat, if Batman can always have a plan B, so can Glurin. That's all I'm saying. That's true. Like if Batman can have a contingency plan for everything, so can Glurin. All right. I think Glurin set this all up, and he was just waiting for this moment to show off. I think he was just waiting to you know steal the turtles' ninjutsu's ability, ninjutsu abilities with AI, 
you know, AI. That's true. Uh, that feels like they put like a hook in for there. Like he's gonna <laughs> use that. For oh, yeah, he puts him. He puts him away for later. He does. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder if we uh, were gonna get like a, a tale of of the nano robots, and we just never did. Where that would have been fun. Fighting something together. Yeah, like, it definitely like, seems like a tail hook. It, it yeah, that that's definitely a tale that Peter probably would have written. Uh, Cody br- Cody brought this up in the group chat. Uh, why does the Rat King show up when Splinter has a heart attack? So I took it is... as the Rat King poisoned him. Uh, no, the so Rat that, King that, that is the Rat King's dead. Yeah. Red King is dead. He died in, in City at War. Well, he died in the Tales issue that he appeared in, but you learn of his death in City at War. Uh, so Splinter has like a tie to the Red King, not just because, you know, Rat and Red King, but in City at War, Splinter falls down like this giant silo. We have a whole episode where we talk about it, and also you can read the issue, but um, he falls down into the silo and he kind of like the rat king like appears to him and tells him that he needs to eat the rats around him to survive. And splinter refuses to do such a thing. Uh, uh, and then eventually caves because he, you know, he's got to do whatever it takes to survive. And then when splinter finally heals and is able to leave the place, uh, cause he's, his leg is broken. So he can't get out. Uh, he sees the rat King's bones on the ground. So like he was just appearing to him as a spirit or maybe splinter was hallucinating him. Splinter never met him though, so he couldn't have been hallucinating him. So anyway, this is referring oh. to the yeah, the Rat King being there for his death, and also there's going to be a Tales issue where uh, the Rat King is a part of a pantheon. So that that's where the original pantheon comes from is from Tales of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Volume Two, and he's going to offer Splinter a spot as like the new Rat King or something like that uh, to join the pantheon. Okay. Yeah. That's You're saying cool. he was he was a cannibal on drugs, basically. Oh yeah, you should go read that issue. It's really weird. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, good. City speaking good. of Splinter's legs, uh, we're back to the really detailed human feet that Jim Lawson gives Splinter. <laughs> they are very a, prominent in a lot of panels has, in this issue. A bit of a Tarantino in him. <laughs> it's yeah, like we're back to Splinter's really really detailed feet um my my biggest one for this issue is the um the quick time video that uh daniel Car- carlson gets uh and it's the earth is for earthmen like you know the um i, I forget what the group's name is called but he's zahad. calling f- well no no he's that he's calling for a zahad Okay. Uh, which is like, and and it's Xeno Xenoform Jihad, mm-hmm. and that feels like a really weird appropriation of a very specific word in Arabic. Mm-hmm. Like, because Jihad, it, a you know a, a common usage of it is you know oh, like they're doing a jihad. Um, yeah, like, it's, it's essentially a holy war, a, a crusade. Yeah, is yeah. How, um, is how we kind of understand it. It means you know, there, there's different meanings to it. Like, I don't, I don't speak Arabic, you know. But just a you know, quick Google search for this, you know, it means striving or struggling. Uh, but also like in another context, like you know, it's it's a whole, it's calling for like a holy war for against enemies of uh, Islam. Yeah. 
And it's also a really cool spell in Ogre Battle, the video game. So I didn't know that. Uh, so it just feels like a really, it feels like kind of like a really tone deaf phrase to use, especially in 2003 when Islamophobia is still very high after 9-11. Yeah. I, and the word, uh, I know like in, in Islam, at least by some people I've heard anyway, I get, I don't know a whole lot about the Islam religion, so mm. I don't know, maybe I shouldn't, uh, maybe I shouldn't speak on this, but like, it sounds like also people who live the Islam religion, like, ha- they use the word in like, they have like their own spiritual jihad kind of thing. So it's like something in themselves they need to conquer. Yeah. That, that's like, what I meant earlier. Like striving or struggling is, yeah. is one of the definitions here. Yeah. Um, and so it, it, it's a word with different meanings, but it just, but that, but that's, uh, but that's kind of where I was going with that. Like it, it just, it, it feels really weird to use it this, so this close to nine 11 when it has such a really bad, uh, connotation back then. Yeah. And so it just feels like, it just feels like Peter kind of co-opted the word, uh, I mean, because because that was like a hot buzzword back then. I mean, it is it is like a holy a holy war kind of thing. And to like like so, I, I imagine that hearing it back then, like I just don't think it's aged well. Because I imagine that most people only knew it in the context of being a holy war, essentially. Yeah, like something where you you kill your enemies that don't live your religion. Yeah, like big criticism of of religion over time as people. Yeah, it it's just it's that. it's just kind of a weird word to kind of use um like this is and, and especially to kind of bastardize it by combining it with like another letter and calling it a zihad because you formed it with xeno form but anyway that was that was just the biggest thing i didn't like about this issue all right on to issue 11 uh, so yeah, i don't really have anything for issue 11 just i don't uh, either i mentioned it already like how, how does leatherhead even know spent uh Splinter, but I yeah, mean, maybe we'll find out. It's you know, it's a it's a funeral issue, and you know, you might be like, oh man, a whole issue spent on a funeral, but I think that's an appropriate amount of time to spend for the death of of a very important character. You know, I mean, heck, when Superman died, like everyone was mourning across multiple titles, uh, and and they even created an entire fake like Time Mesh magazine thing, like like a fake magazine yeah of the time that just was like filled with articles dedicated to superman that you could read through uh <laughs> it, it it was wild how, how hard they went for that so i think that uh this is definitely not overkill it's good to have a whole issue for this moment yeah i agree i do have an anchovy though kind of two-parter i don't like renette's design i think she looks terrible um also she's an ass like picking that spot to come in during the funeral like she could have came like properly when it was beginning like come in like right in the middle like yo i'm here ass (laughs) i don't know cody i don't think you understand the nuances and complicate like how complicated time travel really probably is she probably i think her power should be revoked i think she's still a time clown and i mean think of Think of how many times she's seen Splinter die across all the timelines, too, though. Like, and she's probably never been on time to save him, and she's never came to the funeral in a Well, no, she can't way. save him. She can't save him. Oh. He, if he has to die, that's, that's a canon event. 
I don't know. I mean, Miles I think is doing it, so, you know. I just thought it was weird that she asked permission. Like, is she not friends with them at this point? Well, but she already, like, like if, if I come, if if someone's having a funeral, and, like, as they're doing eulogies, and they're like, okay, let's take the, the casket away, and then I make my grand entrance, like, hello, can I join? <laughs> it's like, I mean, yeah, kind of do? a dick yeah. move to, like, explode was... into a ball of light, you know, there. I mean, radical kind of did it the better way she at least flew in gently (laughs) and and leo specifically invited her renette just kind of saw it in the timeline and was like ah crap i should probably go to this but i mean she's a time traveler she could go there but i think we can agree all people with superpowers in the universe are kind of jerks and they're just thoughtless I don't know. Stainless Steel Steve. I mean, seems all right. Yeah, I was gonna say stainless steel Steve seems pretty cool. Mel- Doesn't he just have great. like a cranial implant? Is he really a superpower or is he just like had a hole in his head? It's like super metal. It's it's he's yeah. a superhero the way the winter soldier is a superhero, right? Except for it's his forehead instead of his Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He just hit butts really hard. <laughs> uh, I don't know why that's so funny to me. You know, Zippy Zippy Lad seems all right. You know, same with uh, you know, I've got nothing against Deadbolt. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love the Justice Force. All right, uh, so cool. We good to to go on to twelve then? Yep. All right. I got nothing. I don't, yeah, I don't really have yeah, anything for issue twelve. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah, me All right. Wow. Best issue of Ninja Turtles ever written? Me? <laughs> well, I wouldn't Barely. go that far, but, but I mean, that, there wasn't. Yeah, there wasn't anything bad. It's like everything moved along at a pretty good clip. I, I guess. I guess if someone has to bring up an anchovy, I will say that this for sure is the beginning of all of the different plots all going on at once. Because you have like an April plot, you have michelangelo plot donatello leonardo Raphael, all of them get their own plot that's going on and even casey starts to get one uh at some point and so like everyone is just kind of like separate from each other and doing their own things for quite mm. some time and this is the start of it uh okay this is, so this is, this is the beginning feel. of the end for for this volume got it yeah uh, it's kind of where it starts to feel like not a whole lot happens it's, it's still interesting and good but i can only imagine how how slow it must have felt if you were reading this biannually. Well, by, by I think weekly. okay, so I, I I did come up with an anchovy now. Um, the the whole like I condensed it down in in my recap, but the Utrams and Donatello like going over everything that's happened in South America is so long and wordy that I zoned out, and I zoned out reading it last night too. And then when I was uh, writing my recap right now, I was like. I'm just going to make it two sentences <laughs> because like it's like, it. it's just a lot of explaining things. But I also feel like it's very like well explained in a way that like shores up plot holes. I think it's, uh, I think I it's have a bad over, time of it. I thought it was fine. I think it's over explained to be honest. And then it's a uh-huh. lot of like the Utrams just kind of feeling sorry and saying they feel sorry and wanting to make this better because they feel sorry. Like it, I don't, I don't know. I just, I feel like you could have edited this down a little bit more. All right. Let's get on to what we liked then. I love being a turtle! All right. All right. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I love a good love body adventure. 
No, I love a good body adventure. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> good inner space uh, body body adventure. Yeah, it, it just the, it works on every level every time. What's for me. the I don't know what it is. theme park in Rick and Morty called? Oh, it's a. Oh God, what was it? Yeah, Anatomy Park. <laughs> yeah, that one was good. A body adventure and nanobots. Like you, you can't lose. Right. You can't. They lose. are super fun, ridiculous nanobots. They are like the nanobot war is is cool. It's fun. It's suspenseful, and it brings <laughs> that creative variety to the Mirage Turtles that I love. Like that. That's what I definitely love about like Peter Laird's turtles. It Mirage. it is super goofy because it's like they you know you have all ants. these nanobot ants, and then all of a sudden it's a bigger ant with buzz saws and a chainsaw. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's like great. suspenseful. <laughs> You know, yeah, like, no, like this, like uh, this issue, like ramped up, like everything, and it, it was, it was very enjoyable. Like this was, this was probably my favorite issue of the three, yeah, um, because it just kind of kept ramping up, and it just well, like kept getting even more silly. I did like I the collateral like, damage that April gets, and they're like, ah, just put a bandage yeah, just, on it, just bandage <laughs> it. <laughs> well, like uh, that's the kind and of she, and she and she has that band aid throughout like the rest of the issue. Like just a little patch on her stomach. I, I feel like though that like what it really speaks to is just like how sadistic Stockman was, like truly with this whole thing. Because like he had it set up that like, okay, yeah, if they do find a way to get the nanobots, they'll think they've done it and that they've they've gotten rid of them. But then I'm gonna have this big one, you know, <laughs> show up yeah. and really do damage and make everything hopeless and lost and, and really the big one, the big one that was lying dormant and they couldn't get it on their scans until it activated. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so it's like it's, it's extra. Five. It's like extra sadistic, you know. He's like yeah. torturing the people trying to save her as well. Uh, kind of I like that they call it a mega nanobot. Like, wouldn't it just be called <laughs> a bot at some point? Like, how big does that to get, get before it's no longer a nanobot? <laughs> yeah, it's just a bot. Mm-hmm. I I also think the splinters like last day was kind of nice. I I like that. Uh, just just seeing him kind of you know being able to like go about his day, feed the cat. Uh, you know, embrace nature and, and feel peace. It, it is sad that you know with racking haunting him in the background. I mean, yeah, yeah, we don't. We don't. Yeah. <laughs> There's that moment, but it also is like kind of sad. That- it's sad and interesting to see that you know he calls out for his sons. Like he regrets that you know he's not there with his sons for yeah for that time. Like the racking thing take, did take me out of it for a second, but it's like I really did like that. This is how Splinter died. Just. It's it's sad in a way. Um, I mean, not in a way. It is sad that he <laughs> died alone. You know, yeah. he died. You know, no one was around him. Uh, Stainless Steel Steve is the one that finds him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I forget. I forget who calls Leo afterward. Stainless Steel. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it's like at least he's not like, you know, lying on the floor for too long. But it's like, yeah, like he, you know, just kind of crumples over and like just. You know, is is staring out uh, the door, and that that is that's incredibly sad. And I'm like, I wonder if that's how we I'm gonna go. Alone. We all die alone, Mike. And you're mean don't prison. say that, Cody. <laughs> I don't quite understand the like the cat gets the bird in that last panel. Oh, did I it? I don't quite understand <laughs> the the symbolism <laughs> there, cat. but. There's a cat eating the bird at the end. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, man. It's so, really, that was the cat's actual the meal? 
Splinter yeah. was using the food to just keep the <laughs> the bird distracted. While yeah, so I don't I don't quite understand the symbolism there, but it, it, I didn't notice it. the The cat has gotten the bird, so maybe the that's cat. The, the Rat King is, getting Splinter? I don't know. That's just but. anti-cat propaganda by Peter. I, I think right. that the cat is uh, Father Time, you know, undefeated champ. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Splinter's yeah, defied huh? it for too long, you know. Like, the lifespan of a rat is not supposed to be that long, and and so now the free bird has finally been captured by Father Time. The end. It's like a weirdly... I like the death too. It's it's weirdly normal for such a like sci-fi book, you know. Yeah, like, for yeah. like everything weird going on in this book, like Splinter just kind of having a heart attack by himself. Like, yeah, that that's really it. It, it I like it, which just it sounds morbid, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's appropriate. Maybe more yeah. than I like it. How's that? <laughs> All right, on to 11. Splinter has a nice funeral. You know, I mean, other than Renette, you know, I guess, you know, being a jerk, according to Cody. Personally, I think that time travel is a lot more nuanced and complicated than we know. Uh, and, you know, it was hard to zero in right at the beginning of the funeral, but she made it. Uh, you know, that, that's my personal interpretation. But uh, I think I think it was like a nice funeral where, you know, everyone that, uh, you know, you got to see the effect he had on people's lives. Uh, you, you got to. I don't know, I guess see how good Splinter was, especially when yeah. we're used to only seeing the training child soldiers side of him from volume one when we get to see the, the good yeah. side of him. And like Leo specifically says, like he's not, you know, he wasn't a perfect father. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he, but he does kind of change his tune. He says, though he came as close as anyone I'll ever met. Like, mm. did he? Um, but yeah, like Splinter, Splinter's funeral is really good. Uh, that's how I want to go on a flaming boat. Not I want to die in a helicopter crashing into another helicopter or a plane. Just like you want to go out in a horrific crash that you're. Uh, I definitely don't want that. Uh, what that's I do good. want, though, is more pages of regular turtles meeting the Ninja Turtles. Uh, those three pages of like the regular turtle jumping into the water and then like a shadowy Mikey swimming up and scaring the turtle. And then there's that yeah. panel of the turtle's face. Like what the hell did I just see? <laughs> That's so my note that I have written here is that Lawson draws the shit out of some animals. I was like, what was that about? <laughs> and, but it's that. So thank you. Yeah. <laughs> like it's so weird. Like, like it's so weird that his like animals, like this turtle is very good. Yeah, yeah. I think I think Jim Lawson is definitely a big fan of drawing nature. I think, I think yeah. it's fair to say that. I I haven't heard him come out and outright say it, but reading these books, like the trees and forests that he draws are always very detailed and realistic mm. for the animals. He definitely seems like someone that really likes drawing nature. And is, I was a, like a lot of the Mirage guys could have had other careers. Like I mean, Eastman could have been like a storyboard artist. I think yeah, Lawson yeah. and layered too. layered, maybe less animals, maybe more just like scenery and mountains and stuff. But like he draws the shit out of nature too. So I thought it was, I thought it was kind of funny. Uh, Cause I was confused at first uh, because on page uh, eight, when the cops like find one of the girls uh, that had been bitten by the, vampires like they're in central park 
And then the next page is the turtle. And I was like, oh, this turtle looks like he's seen some shit already. Like, <laughs> I thought I thought it was the same park. I didn't realize that we jumped from New York to Northampton. So I, that was just funny to me. I like that Donnie takes a piece of the body because he's a creep. Yeah, that part yeah. that part is interesting. Uh, and then I he kind of scampers gonna... off in the last panel. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was going to say we got uh, a lot of Lawson jigs in this in this issue. So we had the, <laughs> we had Donatello running away from Splinter's body after clipping uh, some hair <laughs> off of him. Uh, we got the foot ninjas. We got like eight of them doing the Lawson jig. It's great. Love it. All right. Are we good to talk about 12 then? Yeah, I guess. I kind of want to say, like, I'm glad they don't dwell on the death of Splinter so much. You know, Mm -hmm. like, it seems like they're. I don't know. I feel like if this was written nowadays, Mm -hmm. it would be like three issues of them. Like, how do we deal and how do we go forward? But like, they're adults now. And well, I mean, to be fair, maybe have been expecting it a little bit, you know, so we did get that in IDW. Remember? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. So like just, the first, first couple issues, like, they're they're moving forward with their lives. They're not like completely out of. But I think, it, you know? yeah, like I, it it hits them different at different points though. Like mm-hmm. this Splinter had his had a heart attack by himself, you know, and the turtles are in their thirties now. Whereas like the IDW turtles, like Splinter gave him gave his life in a battle, you know, and the turtles are much younger. And so they also it's like, didn't necessarily go out on good terms with them either. Yeah, exactly. Like there was a lot of unfinished, you know, unresolved tension between some of them. So it's like it 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 hits them differently. So like yeah, like you said, I like that this is only like there's one real issue about the funeral, and then we move on, and then now everybody's kind of going their separate ways. Also, I like Casey really just getting excited that he found his old RC car. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I also like just before that when he uh, kisses April's head, and because uh, it's kind of she's had her head shaved for that surgery and stuff with the uh, utrams, and so she's kind of getting stubbly up there. And so after he kisses her head, he's like, "This is what it must be like to kiss me when I haven't shaved for a few days." <laughs> yeah, and you can so just I shave my like, head every three days because I'm like, I hate that stubble. And, and the expression on April's face and everything else is. It's just a perfect panel like that. that yeah. whole panel of him kissing her and saying that in April, like we got I'm like, oh, geez, <laughs> like, <laughs> it's a good panel. Yeah. Uh, I also liked uh, just April flirting with women at the bar and he's like had way too many drinks. You rap? Uh, but I mean, yeah, not. A, yeah. <laughs> yes, I was like, like, whoa. I was, yeah. I was, I was going to take that again. <laughs> I read a different book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I met Raphael. I really liked Raphael flirting with like the woman at the bar, uh, you know, after he's had too many drinks and he's like lying and telling him that he's an alien and that he yeah, like that was made cute. up an earth name. Uh, it's just something funny about that. Uh, yeah. Like, I really like that. He's playing up that angle. Like it was fun. Uh-huh. Did anybody else read like when he walks outside, he says, nice night. Did anybody else read that in your head as Donatello from the first movie when he goes like, nice night. No, but, (laughs) but you know what, uh, reading, reading this issue specifically when the turtles were talking about like going their separate ways, the, for the first time in my head, I read that all and I heard the 2003 turtles and I, and I, 
And I was like, and okay. And I thought about it some more. It's because these are 30 year old turtles and those the 2003 ones sound older. Maybe and you like went to your wife and you don't know if they're becoming anymore and you broke down. <laughs> I did cry. Yeah, I had a little cry about it. Um, but but no, like I I did hear the 2003 turtles when I was reading this. I was like, okay, like this is a conversation like they would all have, and it's like those voices because those ones sound so much older and more mature than teenagers. Uh, that's why, like, okay, like I can see those voices as these turtles. I always hear the 2003 turtles, even when I'm reading like IDW. IDW yeah, but you're biased. Definitely IDW. Tom Waltz writes them with the voices of the 2003 characters. I am absolutely convinced. Like Raphael, oh. boom. Also, well, he's interesting. That his favorite series was the 2003 one. So there's that too. Specifically on this, did any of y'all listen to that Kayfabe interview yet? No, I didn't. No. Yeah. So one of the questions Peter is asked is if, like, as he's writing the turtles, what voices he hears? And he says oh, yeah. none. <laughs> yeah, he says he doesn't hear voices for any of them. You hear voices in his head? Yeah. yeah. Like, he doesn't act it out. Which I'm I'm generally the same. Um, And it's not always the same, depending on certain medias. But when I'm reading these comics, I don't really have, like, an audio... Yeah, I normally I don't either, but it's like that conversation when they were all talking about going their separate ways, I for some reason heard it in the 2003 voices. The Zuko blades. The Shuko blades. Shuko spikes. There we go. Speaking of Zuko, the live action avatar starts tonight. Ooh. I'm not I guess I'm the only one that hears the voices from We Wish You a Turtle Christmas. I guess so. I Sorry, think, Keith. I think you must be. So, all like, reggae. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was about to say, do yeah. they occasionally talk in Jamaican accents then? Is it specifically yeah. Deck the Halls? When they break out in the song, too. I, I might have gotten hit a couple times in the head when I was younger. Gotcha. Um, I, I, I am really excited. I know Spencer mentioned that this is where it gets like very dispersed in the narrative, but I am excited for that because, like, there seems to have been like a lot of like kind of almost random stuff that's been happening in the background, like with the. The dinosaurs and this weird tree guy and stuff, but yeah, cool. yeah. I'm excited to see like where that's going. Now yeah, yeah, like I'm I'm ready to jump forward a lot because we've yeah. spent a lot of time on this April subplot, so mm-hmm. like in the nanobots, like so I'm ready to get going. Yeah, no, the mysteries that need investigating are exciting. Even after, even though I already know Michael the answers to just about all of them, uh, I think that I, I'm excited again, still reading it now. It's it's a lot of fun. Uh, like I said, it, it it does the story does move slower since there are so many plots going on at once. But at the same time, it's not like any of them are bad either. So like it's like I like it. All it's just one of those things where I guess the biggest reason why I'm bummed about it is because this story, this series, doesn't have like an official ending uh, to like completely wrap everything up. And so that's I guess where maybe my struggle with uh with that comes from. But like I said, overall. I guess it's just because I want more because I like what I'm reading. Well, you know what is wrapping up? This section. Yeah, let's go to the news. Well, I was going to say, these are three three good issues. They oh, yeah. definitely picked up from last week. So <laughs> Now we can go to the news. Keith, take us in. Perhaps I can best explain. The story of my young friends and I is really the story of a man named Hamato Yoshi. All right, a lot of stuff going on this week. Cody, Toy News. 
So in toys, uh, Turtles of Grey Skull Krang should be popping up into Walmart soon as a handful of folks have been able to get copies from eBay, which, you know, previously with releases like this, it's only like a few weeks after they're leaking out on eBay that they're in stores. It's a Walmart exclusive, this Krang. Um, it's Megator, the android body, Krangified. Um, it's Does no it have a build a figure piece. Nope, it does not. Very clearly, it's not on the box. They're showing you clearly what you can expect. No build-a-figure piece. <laughs> uh, the Mezco Turtles, um, which some people like me uh, frivolously pre-ordered years ago, um, have we been getting pre-ordered charging. them last year. It wasn't years ago. Yeah, it feels like an attorney in my mind, and I hope it was longer. It was um, it was last year. It was just before Comic Con when we started talking about it because they, they were announced a, last year at toys at Mezco Toys Fair. It's a decade if it was a minute. Got um, it. It's it's a four hundred dollars set of four turtles. So yeah, um, earlier this week, a lot of people like me had a sudden heart attack when you realized they would be charging. Um, which apparently on the Mezco timeline, they could be shipping out. In like a month or two after that. So super exciting. They're one of the, like Mezco is, I, f- I feel like one of the few brands that has like maintained its premium reputation almost through and through. Um, I yeah. have a bishop from Mezco. Now specifically, these are the Mezco 112th Collective toy line uh, because Mezco also has their 5 POA toy line, which those turtles, um, I they have turtles oh, yeah, in that line as well. Those. Um, but these are specifically the 112 collective ones. I also have them pre-ordered, but I got them through Big Bad Toy Store, which is estimating that they'll arrive in April. Yeah, so apparently, like whenever Mezco does it, it's a couple months even after that that they actually not a couple not a couple months. Um, like it's it it really depends because like there are horror stories like the Mezco and like 1989 Batman figure was like years supposedly. Yeah, that's why I was hoping. So. I was hoping these would take years, and I could financially plan for it. But no. Um, and then that's why I threw it the, on year, the credit card. <laughs> the year of Perry officially begins. Uh, some folks have started getting their shipping notifications for their Perry two packs. Uh, and Professor potentially Perry. maybe Professor Perry. He got his doctorate. Jim Perry. This is uh, does he have a real name in the movie? Professor Jordan Perry. Jordan Perry. I was close yeah. with the J. But yeah, I ordered the, the, the two-pack because I think a two-pack of Perry is delightful. So yeah, apparently we'll be getting those soon, maybe. Yeah, those are... Um, so a lot of the figures that went up around Black Friday um, with NECA are supposed to be... They were expected to ship around March 2024. So that was the um, the flashback Leonardo, the Flashback Splinter, the first to fall flashback Raphael for the last Ronin figures, uh, the cartoon April, the Professor Jordan Perry and the year of the rabbit uh, four pack. Those are all supposed to be shipping around March. So I checked my super clearly was like people had like a solid Perry email. But after that, yeah, speculating emails they've got. But yeah, like people are checking like their FedEx app to see like a label's been created for a package that weighs this much, like yada, yada. Um, I checked my FedEx app. I don't have anything addressed to me yet from NECA. So my order hasn't uh, generated just yet, but 
I yeah, ordered I mean, the yeah. Usagi pack, so. Yeah, I got the Perrys, I got the Ronins, um, they can send it all. Nice. But yeah, that's uh, about it for toy news. In like, comic book news, a lot this week. There's been pretty much announcements every day uh, this week. Uh, as our buddy Greg from IDW had pointed out on Twitter. Um, but the big ones came yesterday in an exclusive reveal on Nerdist. Uh, so a lot of new comics, uh, new comic series were announced uh, in the lead up to the 40th anniversary. Uh, so Spencer, tell us about these comics. All right. So starting off, we've got TMNT Black, White and Green. Uh, so it's an anthology series that's just going to feature a bunch of different artists on every issue. Well, not a bunch of different artists on every issue, but, you know, different artists on every single issue. Well, and story. Uh, so new writers and artists. <laughs> new writers and artists. Uh, you know, anyway, the thing is, it's an anthology book. Uh, so I am curious to see if it's going to specifically, you know, if they're specifically going to intend for it to be in the IDW universe or if it's just going to be random turtle stories about turtles that could be from anywhere. Yeah. I would love anything goes to just go wild. I would, I would too. I would be a huge fan of that. So in other words, same here, it's time for more super turtles guys. Like Peter, I agree. Super turtles. We need, they named a couple artists uh, that are going to be on it. Uh, The one that I was very excited was uh, Paulina Gancho. Uh, I've been following her art for a long time. Uh, and really excited. She did a series a long time ago that I really love called Zodiac Star Force. And it was like, it, it was just like a magical girl series, but there was like, uh, but it was really good. Uh, and that's, that's where I first like found her art. So I'm kind of excited that she's doing turtles. Cool. And then the next thing we're getting is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Night Watcher. So this ongoing series comes to us from Juni Ba and artist Pharaoh Pei. Uh, so it's going to start off with, I'm pretty sure, a free comic book day issue that's titled Who is the Night Watcher? Uh, so a new vigilante is going to rise to stand up against violence and discrimination against mutants. Um, and so that's that's pretty much going to be what this whole thing is. So, yeah, the Night Watcher comes from the 2007 movie. If you haven't seen it, I feel like if you're listening to this podcast, you probably have. If you haven't, yeah. go watch it. You probably um, know who this Night Watchman is. It was originally Raphael, but it seems like they're leaving it up to be a mystery. Uh, and the other thing that they're leaving up to be a mystery is what's happening with Jenica right now. And so that's what my theory is. is it's, it's a good be- theory. Is it a lot of people seem to agree with it when I posted it on our Twitter. Yeah. So I, so. I think I'm right. But then, or was it Mike? You also pointed out some Golaminess, maybe? Uh, yeah. So in, they showed in the, uh, in the Nerdist article, they showed like some concept art of the, uh, of the Nightwatcher character. And there's specifically like glowing red lines on the art, uh, by Pharaoh Pay, because we saw the cover. Um, which Pharaoh Pay does listen to the podcast. Uh, oh, cool. Talk to him. Yeah. What? That's awesome. mm-hmm. He follows us on Twitter and Instagram too. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I'm super happy about that. That's cool. Uh, so, because I mean, I told him how much we love his art. So, yeah. Um, That's a fan. So, yeah. So, super excited that uh, uh, he's doing this book. And um, I tagged him and I was like, I was like, Pharaoh, like, like, sent him a gif of like me watching him and he liked it, but he didn't like the Jenica thing. So I'm like, 
does that mean did we just confirm something that you can't confirm yeah i I don't know so but uh but the the, the golem lines uh, sorry the, the concept art specifically says golem lines and they're like glowing red lines on the night watcher armor and my first thought was the stone generals have like glowing red like lights on them not not yeah. some not the same kind of lines that are on this armor but that was my first thought is like oh those are red glowing golems it is it is an interesting thought that is also so but yeah the thing is is that you know they're asking who is the night watcher we don't know what's happening with jenica and the night watcher looks like a giant metal turtle uh <laughs> yeah. so so you know it's like who could it be you know, exactly. I'm, I'm, so I think maybe, I think you're onto something there. Maybe Venus, but but I think it's going to be Jenica. Yeah, Venus is too glorious to cover up. All right. Uh, so our next <laughs> issue, our next comic book that's been announced is uh, TMNT Usagi, uh, Yojimbo crossover for Saturday Morning Adventures series. So it's going to be like that old crossover episode i imagine but it's a 40 page one shot issue by eric burnham and artist jack lawrence bringing the turtles bringing those 87 turtles back together with probably that 87 version of usagi again i mean it's definitely that 87 version of usagi <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like it's it's set in the saturday morning adventures universe so it's like I will, it's gonna I will, be that one i will argue that like just about every usagi that the turtles cross over with is is pretty much the exact same character every time, uh, except for the eighty-seven one. That one is his own character. <laughs> yeah, I, I I'd agree there. Uh, TMNT Mutant Nation is the other book that's coming out, so that's going to have Tom Waltz and Sophie Campbell on it. So you know, as we know, Tom Waltz wrote the first one hundred issues of the ongoing, and he co-wrote the last Ronin. Sophie Campbell has been on the last fifty issues of this uh, of the ongoing series. I, I'm excited to see what they're going to do with this book. Yeah, this this book seems like it's going to be kind of the new uh, TMNT universe. Yeah. And do you think it kind of, I don't know, the, the name Mutant Nation kind of gets me down because I'd be totally down for more characters than just mutants. That being said, IDW has made me care about a lot of mutant characters, especially a lot of the ex-mutanimals. Maybe yeah. this is where we're going to get Armando Gecko, Seymour Guts Road Trip. Uh, yeah. I, I need with, pigeon with pigeon pete with pigeon pete well pigeon pete they're i'm sure they're what if we on his solo comic what if we sparked that idea when we asked it at comic-con that'd be cool i i cool. i don't know well we, we they do a pigeon pete solo comic didn't they, suggest I want royalties. That, didn't they suggest that was already happening or something yeah but we asked to see it i fair enough fair enough uh, I, I just want to see Seymour Guts learn to love being alive. That'd be a great hopeful story. <laughs> and a know, great I, final, I don't know. His existence is pain. So I, don't I mean, <laughs> I would like a good feel-good story, too. <laughs> uh, you know, I'd what like if, a good feel-good Hold on. Story what if Seymour Guts is the Night Watcher? That's his new body. <laughs> oh, I like it. I like where your head's at. That That's actually, you know. What if it's Cha Ocho? <laughs> uh, I would hate it instantly. If it's a single blind foot soldier. <laughs> uh, so uh, the last comic book that has been announced is uh, TMNT Alpha. That's a one-shot story. Uh, it's by Tom Waltz and Gavin Smith. Uh, there's also going to be a story by Jason Aram and Chris Burnham in it. This issue marks Jason Aaron's debut as a TMNT writer. Uh, he'll also be writing 
he's the guy that's you know writing the whole new relaunch in July that will continue all this. Yeah. So, so, this, so yeah, this go story ahead. is going to set the tone for everything that's coming after this. Uh, yeah. So we we talked about this with the relaunch announcement a couple weeks ago. Um, so this this is going to be the issue that kind of kicks off the the relaunch. Uh. And it specifically is going to feature a story about Jenica. And I think from what I heard and because there is a there's another interview with Jason Aaron on, I think it was comicbook.com where he talked about he specifically mentioned a plan for Jenica. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so this issue seems to be kind of that kickoff for that. Wouldn't that preclude her being the night watcher then? It could. So I don't think I mean, they would well, double up like that. Well, I don't think they're going to say who the night watcher is in the free comic book day issue, but mm-hmm. TMNT I mean, alpha think- is supposed to come out before night watcher. So but then why would they say who is the night watcher after TMNT alpha? I don't think, I think this just is the night watcher. Uh, well, we'll see. We'll have to see. Uh, but speaking of alpha, Tom Waltz posted earlier today, uh, a cover by Gavin Smith of, uh, what we could expect in the book. Uh, and it's old Hob in a forest with a giant spider lady behind him. Uh, and he Both said, them. the horror, the horror. Oh, yeah. Both of them look amazing. Uh, you know, that that spider mutant is great. If that spider bites in the IDW universe, you've made a spider bites <laughs> fan out of, <laughs> suddenly, out of nowhere. Uh, uh, Team and T universe on Twitter uh, pointed out, uh, is this Big Mama from I, from Rise? Maybe. Oh yeah, Ooh. yeah. Turn Big Mama to a horror character. I'm like, and, and as a uh, Big Mama Stan, uh, I would be 100 percent okay with this. But yeah, it's it's a cool cover. I, I definitely am down to read that story. I mean, I, all of these are on my pull list. So, like, I already talked to my comic book store today. Uh, I was like, just just give me everything. See, it's it. I'm only getting turtles books now, anyway, so, so I can I can I can deal with that. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you're only doing that, that's not too many, really. Yeah. Uh, in the last bit of comic book news, uh, the last Ronin to the re-evolution, uh, unfortunately, is not going to be coming out in February as we all thought. It has been pushed to March as of now. on brand uh, it looks like it's the <laughs> first week of march now so yeah so no no new turtles comics coming out uh next week or I tomorrow a, i even had a plan to like be down at my comic book shop that friday like the friday in afternoon. cosplay too uh you know i haven't put together my last run on cosplay yet but you know just like all my other cosplay and you were gonna go as the unarmored shirtless ronin too yeah yeah definitely. stupid Green sexy ronin <laughs> yeah like, you know, human human version of, of stupid sexy Ronan. I was just yeah. wear a shell on my back, probably. I I hadn't quite figured it out yet. I don't think I was gonna paint myself green, because like I said, I was going for human version. But you know, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. All right, so uh that's I think that's it for this episode. We don't have any other news. Nope. Awesome. So Spencer, what are we doing next week? Next week, we're back to the 2003 series. Man, it's Ooh. just, it's been great. It's been just like win after win every single week. I'm super excited to <laughs> to uh, to talk about what we're going to talk about. Man, I hope you keep up this energy when we start doing Rise. 
uh, we'll see. Uh, so the thing is, is uh, <laughs> it's going to be episodes 13, 14, and 15. Yeah, um, so that's a three-parter notes from the underground. Ooh, interesting. Heck yeah. All right. Well, guys, thank you again for listening to another episode of the Ninja Turtle Power Hour. We really appreciate you guys listening every week and you know engaging with us on all of our socials uh because it's it's been fun we've had a lot we've this season four of ninja turtle power hour has been a lot of fun so far so thank you so much for making it enjoyable thank you guys i love doing the show with you guys every week uh let us know somewhere on the internet what you think of the show ninja turtle power hour or ninja turtle ph on twitter twitter instagram or facebook all right so once again that's our show thank you again so much for listening and until next time cowbunga dudes Certified, certified. Booyakasha. Hot soup. too busy binge reading dragon ball super so i can get uh caught up and know what's going on in super i i you know people hate it but i like super a lot i love super i love super like i, I really like the manga i've liked the moral so i'm in the moral arc still oh that was a good I'm, one i think i'm finally getting to the end but you know in classic dragon ball fashion you think you're finally getting to the end and then suddenly someone is really stupid and the bad guy gets more powerful and yeah musensu yeah. bean it's not it's not a spoiler, but the next arc is the superhero movie. Yeah. And okay. it, re- it recaps the movie with more context. Ooh. I fell asleep in the theater during that movie. Oh, Did I loved really? the movie. It was so good. I, I think <laughs> yeah. I, I thought the start was a bit slow at the very beginning when they were laying out all the information that I already knew because I watched Dragon I mean, Ball yeah. All of it. Like that 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 whole like re like going over that stuff for people who hadn't seen it before kind of bored me a little bit. Uh, you know, giving the history of the Red Ribbon Army and stuff, but well, because like, I mean, a lot of people had to remember who the Red Ribbon Army was. I didn't, <laughs> uh, but uh, but once it got going, I thought it was good. I really liked it. One of my friends is a character in the movie. Oh, cool! Who are they? Your friends, uh, Carm- Piccolo. I'm friends with Piccolo. Uh, no, Chris Carmine. He's Carmine. He's the um, I think he's the guy with the pompadour. In, yeah, um, in the Red Ribbon Army. That's my friend yeah. uh, Jason. Oh, cool! That's super cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, J- Jason's really cool. He was the voice of Megatron in the Netflix Transformers show. Oh, I started that one. It was I liked it, but I don't know what it is. I start so many animated Netflix movies, like Netflix series, and then never finish yeah. them. Uh, I did it with Castlevania. I did it with, and it's like I like oh, Castlevania. Castlevania, was Castlevania so was good. good. Castlevania. Did they do yeah. a second one? Uh, the Castlevania Nocturne. Um, it's a sequel series. I never watched that because I don't have Netflix anymore. But is it mm-hmm. good? Uh, I haven't seen it yet. I've been wanting to, but um, we just haven't sat down and watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so, so the superhero, the super manga is going to recap that with more context. And now it's going past that. So like Orange Piccolo and Beast Gohan. And it's like yeah uh goku like shows up and it's like oh hey 
show me the forms. And so it's like, it's, it's good. I, I, what I'm dreading though, is that like the next big villain's going to come and then they're just going to stomp on orange Piccolo and Gohan. So we can set up how powerful Goku is after I mean, orange beast. Goku is the coolest. What's so weird is that like, this has to tie. Cause like, we're still in the 10 years after Z, uh, after like the boo saga, uh, before the end of Z where he finds Oob at the World Martial Arts Tournament. Yeah. So like we're still in that time frame and it's like I don't think we've got enough time for another big bad. Because like how because like the boys are in high school like Goten and uh, Trunks. You know like I don't know. I don't know how much more we can get. I think I think Pan's like almost as old as she was in in that episode do you think they're waiting for the manga to finish to before they make the anime and they like do the anime? i don't know i think there's just not gonna be one because it's been like what like four years like yeah. when was the last super episode like 2018 yeah it's been a while it's been a pretty long while yeah but like oh, i was under the people... impression they were still making new episodes no no, but the they're making is, new like, issues, but yes, they haven't made a new a new episode of Super in a while. Yeah, that's why I've given up on waiting for an anime, and I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna read the manga because it yeah, that's what I did. But I and I then just, you can you you get to watch it after and enjoy it fully. Yeah, that's what I did with Spy Family. I was like, I can't wait for new episodes. Like, I have to read. And yeah. same with My Hero Academia. Now it's like I can't go back to My Hero Academia because I'm so far ahead. I think it's it's kind of fun. To me, it's kind of like, I mean, it's literally like watching it the second time, but like you get yeah. to, because I like to casually watch stuff while I'm working. So it's like, I've been watching One Piece that way where I'm I'm already caught up on the manga. And so it's like having the show in the background is just fun. And you just get to see someone's take on those scenes you already know. Yeah. yeah. The thing is, I like seeing the takes and how they decide they're going to animate the movement uh, and, and colors and things like that. Also just the music. Because mm-hmm. like, I don't know. The the music of the anime for Ultra Instinct is a big part of what's made it iconic, in my opinion, the Ultra Instinct theme. And so reading the manga, like whenever Goku goes Ultra Instinct, immediately that theme starts playing in my head as I'm reading it. Is that uh, the dun, 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 dun? Uh-huh. That's dun, the Ultra. Dun, oh, I didn't know dun, that. Dun. Yeah, so that's the Ultra Instinct theme. It always plays when he goes Ultra Instinct. Oh, I didn't know that. It, to me, it's like a big, I don't know, for me, it's like an I, iconic piece that's like was done really, really well. Whoever whoever made the Ultra Instinct theme, you did it amazing, in my opinion. It's it's iconic. It goes just with the form perfect. Uh, they just uh, released, did, are you playing Kakarot? Uh, no. no. Oh, you should. It's pretty good. Um, it is. Uh, they just released like the final DLC and it's uh the day of the the last episode of Dragon Ball Z mm-hmm. into when it and take like, uh 2018 so we're not that far away from that being 10 years old that's I know that's that's messed up I mean up. calm down calm down there's still like <laughs> yeah. another 4 years <laughs> calm down i'm going to be my 40s okay. years, though we're closer we're closer to it being 10 years than we are at not being 10 years no we're i past know past halfway mark at work, Old so man. at work, uh, at work the other day, I've been working with this nineteen-year-old kid, and oh, and he he's he starts playing uh, "Tongue Tied" by Group Love, and it's just like, have you heard this song? 
I'm like, uh, yeah, this was very popular when I was in high school. Like, it's, it's a good song, you know. Like, I, mm-hmm. uh, and, he, and he plays like a few other of those like alternative, you know, we're pretending to be indie. You know, we call it indie, but like really, it's not an independent label. So is it really indie? But we call yeah. it indie at that time period that it was really cool. And I listened to a whole bunch of that stuff in high school, and I'm just like, yeah, this is like he's playing like Kids by MGMT. And he's just like, yeah, I, I think the old stuff is a lot better. I'm <laughs> just like, what? This isn't old stuff. This is this is the stuff I listened to. My this only came my out wife, twenty years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My my wife and I were talking about, um, or we were we were watching TikToks, and it was like one of them was like songs that are turning twenty this year. Yeah, and it was like, oh, all the songs that I liked in high school. Yeah. No, I, 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 that's definitely one of the moments where I felt really old. And it's also funny, though, to hear that in context of like the stuff that I grew up listening to, because I remember as a teenager being told by all these adults that the old stuff is better. People saying that, you know, oh, yeah, the old stuff is better. It's classic. And now, you know, 10 years later, it's like, oh, yeah, the old stuff. Like, and they're talking about the stuff that I was doing in high school and they'll say it's better than what's coming out now. I don't know. It's just one of those the cyclical the flat circle. Yeah, the cyclical uh, jaded view we have of the past that I believe is rooted in nostalgia. It's just an interesting one to me. Anywho, should we get recording? As you get older. (laughs) Yeah, I finished my fries. I just had my burger. Does my audio sound all right? Uh, You just did something and it sounds different now. I did move to a different spot in the room because I needed to plug my phone in because I didn't know if it would last this whole conversation with how much battery was left on it. Does it sound bad or okay? No, I, I think you moved again and now you sound better. Oh, I probably just turned away from my phone. All right. Oh, okay. No comfortable way to do this. <laughs> there we go. All right, so I guess I will stay facing my phone and hopefully the audio stays the same. It's your phone, your microphone when you record these? Uh, no, usually it's it's a different microphone. It's my. It's, usually I use my computer, but my mm. internet's down, so I'm just using. I've got unlimited data, so I'm just using my data. Do you need a microphone, Spencer? I have an extra blue blue Yeti. I I have a Yeti that I. Oh okay. Keith, do you matter? need a blue Yeti? I have a Yeti. Cody, do you need a Yeti? I am a Yeti. I knew it. No, I have lately. Silver? <laughs> yeah, yep, you're I'm silver. silver <laughs> the silverback Yeti. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have a Razor Siren, actually. It's pretty, Spe- it's okay. Speaking of, sil- speaking of silverback, uh, guys, as you get older, you're going to start getting gray chest hairs. That's weird. Let me tell you, I don't like it. Not me. My chest hairs dark and glorious when you get to my age they're gonna start springing up on you i'm telling you from whatever the area you call directly below the ears i guess it's the jaw from the jaw down i'm a young man <laughs> <laughs> i have I already had great chest hairs so. you do yeah it's it's weird my chest hair when it first came in it grew i kid you not like exactly the shape of the batman symbol <laughs> So in my early twenties, it was it was the pride. Of you weren't, me, uh, I guess, you weren't Austin nobody Powers. Else was impressed, but I was impressed. Yeah, and sadly it filled out. But gotcha. for a, for a brief I few years, 
of a prepubescent teen. So, <laughs> all right, I guess but, now we can record. Now we can record. Now that we've talked about our chest hair. Yeah, that was that was <laughs> what I wanted to get out. Okay. <laughs>